This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Indeed.com, and Rocket Money. Welcome into a very quiet edition of the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined as always by H.R. Blakely and Gary Washburn. Hello, friends. Hello, Kwani Lunas. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. Shout out to Kwani Lunas, who's not giving, she's not going with the load management today. She could have gone load yeah. management. She's a little under the weather. Voice isn't quite as boombastic as it usually is. Uh, but she showed up. I, I respect you know, that. She missed last week. She better. And now we're going to name her. She can't even be Kawani Lunas. She's going to be Kawhi Lunas. If we do that. <laughs> wow. We do have the <laughs> she same. She come back this week. So I okay, call her well, I was, Last week, I was at the Boston Music Awards presenting the Artist of the Year, which was Cousin Stiz. We have video here. So it was a very much, I think, good excuse to miss. Just one pod. One pod. Also, shout out to our listeners, because I did meet one of our listeners at the Boston Music Awards who appreciates what we're doing. And we just want to say we appreciate everyone that listens to our podcast because you guys keep the show running, honestly. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, shout out to Kawhi Lunas. Why you call Kawhi, man? Come on. such a hater. Damn. You want credit for working. <laughs> See, this is why I hate That's it. what you're supposed to do. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. You're saying, <laughs> damn, Kawhi. Damn, Kawhi. <laughs> I never thought be- being called Kawhi would be an insult, and yet here we are. <laughs> That's Gary Washburn for you. Right. Man. Always find a way to switch one of the greatest there. players of this generation, and it's an insult coming from Gary. <laughs> exactly. Damn. 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 All right, let's get into these Celtics, though, because, you know, they haven't been looking too good. No. Lost four of the last four games. Should we be panicking, especially the two losses against the Magic, which, come on, the Orlando Magic. Need I say I, Those losses disturb me. Uh, not just because it's, I mean, Orlando, give them credit. They've been playing better basketball even they before have. they met the Celtics. So they certainly were, you know, the, you got the best speak. version of Orlando. Yeah. Celtics saw the best version. But that being said, you still got to find a way to win those games. Uh, you have to find ways to make Mo Wagner look like Mo Wagner. Instead, he, I mean, he he looked like Kawhi Leonard out there, the way he was scoring at will. Free throw line, jump shots, doing anything and everything he wanted out there. You just can't allow that to happen, particularly at home. And, and, and you know, the Celtics, there's definitely a sense of, of missed opportunity. Um, but I thought they reverted back to doing a lot of the things that we used to get frustrated with them last season over. And that is going to iso ball, not moving the ball enough, taking bad shots, not locking up defensively and making all those hustle plays that they're very good at making. Uh, it's it's two disappointing losses, much worse than, you know, those overtime losses earlier this year to Cleveland, which has proven to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's understandable. Orlando's not going to be one of the better teams when all said and done. Uh, they, they're going to, I think, compete for one of those playing spots at the end of the day. But that's this is a team that, particularly at the crib, you, you got to win these games if you lost. Yeah. I mean, the Magic had one road win. I just think it's a bad match. I think what we're finding out is that big teams give the Celtics problems. There's six losses, uh, six of their losses, two to the Cavs, big team, two to the Bulls at Chicago, big team. And the Magic are a big team. I mean, the Wagner brothers are all both 6'10". Banchero, 6'9", 6'10". 
Um, then you're throwing in Bo Bo, Mo Bamba, like they just shuttle in and out, big, big dudes. And then you had Markel Fultz, who obviously is never going to be live up to the billing of the number one overall pick, but he's making plays with offensive rebounds. He does what he does out there. I just thought Friday, I just thought they got out, hustled, outplayed. Mm. Uh, Sunday, I thought they played good defense. They played, they allowed 95 points. They, allowed, they played well enough to win defensively, but everybody was a minus offensively. Their offense was just poor. And, you know, were they settling for threes? I'd say in a sense because of the Magic's rim protection. Magic always had bigs in there. Um, and I thought just if you look at the Sunday game, it was kind of just a strange, like, Paolo Banchero has 20, he's a 27% three-point shooter. He had 24 threes all year. He had six on Sunday. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, that's, he had not hit more than three in a game all year. He looked like Steph Curry. Like there was a couple of off the dribble contested swish. It was like, yo, how is he 27%? You know, Admiral Schofield, Grant uh, Williams' college teammate, uh, 13 threes all year hits three in a nine minute stretch of the third and fourth quarter, like including one, I thought was a key of the game where the Celtics took a four point lead. Admiral just came down and was like, Oh, I got this band. It was like, yo, 13 threes all year for a guy who's averages four points a game. And he hits three. So some of that stuff was just, is it the basketball gods, bad luck? Some of that stuff, guys, the Orlando guys just stepped up. Like that won't happen again this season. And at practice today, Missoula pointed out that like for the one, it was like so many thousands of games have been examined. Every Celtics offensive player was minus uh, their offensive performance. Like not one Celtic player on Sunday performed to their level or above in that game. He goes, that's a one in 700 chance of happening. So could you say that they are slumping, they are settling for threes, but also I think Sunday is just one of those crazy, like we've seen it over the years, a team with a losing record come in. We've seen the Pistons come in, the Wizards at times, and just outplay them or then play them evenly, then get all the breaks. Like there was just a couple of times it was just like missed layups, missed threes, you know, or sometimes they played around with the game. Marcus Smart trying to make this incredible pass, bounce pass between two defenders. Like, you know, stick to the basics. So I think, one, they need to get Tatum back. You know, uh, he was at practice, and so I guess he's going to play Wednesday after missing Sunday with personal reasons. Um, you know, and we could speculate what that is, but uh, missing a game with personal reasons. And they also need to punch first. Indiana is going to be a tough opponent. They're not, they're no slouches. They're better than Orlando. But Orlando came back the other night and lost by to Atlanta at the buzzer, damn near. Like, you know, the, this was no fluke from the Magic. They went down to Atlanta on a back to back and lost by one. So, you know, I think that it's a bad matchup because earlier in this season, the Celtics beat them by six down there. Um, and two, they got to start hitting shots and being more efficient offensively. The defense will be fine, but they need more out of Derek White. He stopped slumping. I see Sam Hauser's in a big slump. Like the guys who usually are making them are slumping. So let's see if they can step out of that. 
that being said, what do you, how do you think like the bigger role players, Joe Mazzula, for example, what role do you think they play? He plays at least in the Celtics current struggles. Squish, right? He's got a lot. He's got to stop letting these guys just play through stuff. I, at some point, you, he has to insert himself in the damage control game when it comes to this team. Uh, we've seen too many runs with these guys where they're on 10, 12, 14, 8 on a short end of long runs. And, yeah, it, it sounds great to let them play through. But at some point, Coach, you got you to you gotta stop the bleeding where your team's going to die. And I, I think they've had games like that. Or the Orlando games, I didn't really feel that necessarily was the issue, but we've seen enough games this year that they've wound up losing where they've, they've gone through that stretch and they haven't been able to kind of self-medicate um, themselves, if you will, to get themselves right. I, I think they, they definitely need to be uh, better in, in that regard. And it starts with Joe. I think he has to be better at, at, my, at just getting a better pulse of when – to just slow things down and get his guys off the floor and just, just pause the game and when to let him keep playing. I don't think he's got that post quite where it needs to be. Uh, but again, it's of all the potential shortcomings you could have as a first year coach for that to be pretty, the, I think the biggest one, it says a lot about how good a coach he is because as we've seen with, with other first year coaches, there's a lot of, of just, they become a hot mess out there clueless on a lot of things. And Joe's not that, but certainly his inability to have a, a feel for when to call timeouts, when to let his guys play through it, that's still a work in progress with him. Yeah, I think he's just got to he's got to put some his guys in better positions. Uh, he's got to come up with some different play calls. The, the, the defenders are adjusting now. They're packing the paint. They're reading passing lanes like they're doing little things because they know this is like to move the ball. So they they. Missoula has a counter. He's got to come up with some new sets to get his guys open. And, you know, and he's got to, you know, maybe dig deeper into his bench, play guys who are, you know, who are going to go out there and scrap, get that offensive rebound. You can't let the Badger get three straight offensive rebounds to keep a possession going. Like this is the, these are the, Sunday was the games that teams like the Magic lose, right? Because they don't make the plays to finish them off. But they made the plays because the Celtics didn't weren't, you know, getting those offensive rebounds, doing the little things or defensive rebounds. Stop. You got to, you know, stop the bleeding at times. Um, and, and and they just have to improve overall. Like, we'll see. They got a, 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 a day of practice on Tuesday. We'll see how that results. But you got teams coming in with Indiana and Minnesota and then Milwaukee that they're not going to lay down for the Celtics. You know, I mean, you don't want this to turn into a real, real bad losing streak here. You want to punch first. But I think that Missoula's got to maybe come up with some different some sets, uh, some new strategies, um, maybe, you know, a little bit different rotations to kind of mix it up. Because I think guys are guys are struggling. I mean, you know, Marcus just hasn't been himself for a while now. Uh, Derek White's back to. Last year, Derek White, I, mean, I, I didn't think we all saw, think, thought Sam Hauser would be, you know, a can't-miss shooter at all times, but he's he's really struggling, you know. And, and so those are some really important scoring options, in addition to Tatum and Brown, right? Uh, Jalen's got to work on his turnovers. He's back there really watching his traveling. I think he had 
I want to say five to six traveling calls in those two Orlando games, um, at least five. I think two, three uh, Friday and two on Sunday. Um, he's got to put his he's got to take a dribble uh, and not change his pivot foot. Um, you know, Al's Al. There's some games he's going to play well, and then three's going to go down. Other games, you know, it's not. You know, so if you got to play some Blake Griffin. You know, and, and and we haven't talked about Rob Williams yet. Like one thing I don't want to hear is, oh, we're still adjusting to Rob coming back. Like that's BS to me. If you add another player, you ain't supposed to get worse. Stop that. So the whole like, oh, it's it's Robert Williams. We have to adjust to him being back. That's why we're no, that's not why you're struggling. You know, Robert's gonna add more, not subtract. So they just playing bad. Okay, so that being said, what do you think about Jason Tatum? What role has he played in their, I guess, losing streak? Well, I mean, sometimes the best ability is availability. And we've seen what, what it looks like when he ain't available. Uh, Tatum just has to continue to be aggressive, assertive, put his imprint on games, and just keep finding ways to impact the game. And it doesn't have to necessarily be scoring. You know, when you look back at that stretch where they were just the clearly the best team in the NBA, he was he was still putting up big numbers, but he was doing so many other things that helped this team win. And, and there were certain nights where he just could not make shots, but he was rebounding, he was defending, he was causing deflections, he was doing all those little things that at the end of the night, when you tally up how did this team win, you see that he checked off a lot of those effort boxes. I don't see that lately. I I, I see him being kind of like you know just a score machine, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. But when that's pretty much all you're bringing to the table, that's when problems arise, particularly when you're playing teams that are giving you their best shot, which I thought, again, Orlando, and we've touched on this enough already. Orlando, the way they played against Boston was as good as Orlando has played this season and probably the best that they play all season. Uh, And that being said, your best player still has to find ways to impact the game, even when he's not having a typical game. Uh, and, and Tatum, uh, it, this is to me, this is part of his growing process, part of him continuing to evolve into a top five player in this league. Gary, you mentioned Jalen Brown's traveling <laughs> issues, and there's a, a Twitter account, Devin in the Lab, that basically said Jalen has begun to spread the travel plague league wide, a job that only the federal basketball investigators can handle. Jalen quote tweeted saying it. I respect it and I agree. LOL, let's just keep it consistent. I'm going to clean it up. Everybody's been traveling and carrying. The rules allowed it. So what do you two make of his role in the Celtics demise lately? But also, how do we fix the traveling issue? He's got to be more disciplined. I mean, one, stop taking three steps. Two, put your pivot foot down or take a dribble. Some of them were blatant. He was just walking in the park. (laughs) Yeah, just take a dribble. Don't swap your pivot feet. It's basic. I mean... You know, it's different, basketball different than it was used to be where these guys are can travel, they can take three steps and it's a great move, or they can carry the ball. Um, it's, you know, but the league is on to that. And so none of this, like, you know, take a move, take two, three steps, then take a dribble. Like, you just got to be more disciplined. And sometimes you do, he's doing it without, without thinking. And that's a tough situation when, you know, now you got to start thinking. You don't. You, you want to make those extensive, uh, you know, uh, instinctive drives. But I think he's got to just start. You can't stop. You got to stop turning the ball over. 
those are big possessions. You know, momentum changing possessions when you get caught traveling like that. Um, if not, just be more methodical until you get it down. Practice. You know, as a, our friend Alan Iverson said, not a game. Practice. It's not a game. Do it in practice. You know, whether it's, you know, look at a look at video of yourself and what you're doing. You know, um, I know Tony Dobbs, Dobbins, the assistant coach, is guy, guy works with him closely. I'm sure they're looking at video. Okay, Jalen, on this move, you can't move your left foot first. You got to move your right foot first. Just little small things. Um, you know, and, and Jalen's got to play better too. Um, you know, I thought he played okay in LA against the Lakers, but he's got to, you know, Sunday was a game for him to take over and lead them to victory. And he didn't get that done. Like Sunday was a, a day where um, he need, he was like, okay, ball's yours. Like Jason's out. You, you score 45 points. If they score 45 points and they win by one, the whole narrative is different, right? Instead of losing by three. And so Jalen's got to be, this is your turn to be number one. It was, um, but he's got to be better too. But the turnovers are definitely a problem. You know, they turn the ball over, I want to say 17 times on Sunday. A lot of them unforced, you know, just little, you know, Marcus trying to squeeze a bounce pass in between two defenders and, and wow the crowd, like stop trying to wow the crowd. You know, they paid their money already. You don't need to impress them. Get the make the pass and get the basket. That'll impress impress them more. You know, just playing with the game, messing around, messing around with the game. I see uh, is what happened against the Lakers when they got that big twenty point lead. They started taking threes and messing around and thinking, "Oh, we in L.A. We got this." And all of a sudden, the Lakers rally. So. They got to get back to basics. And it's been kind of a slow since that Phoenix game. Obviously, they were awesome against Phoenix. They haven't been right. The Warrior game, they struggled. You know, the Clipper game, I thought they was one of their worst performances of the season. And now these two Orlando games, you know, it's like you got to find what you had before. And so that's just going back to going back to work, going back to the lab. So we have enough criticism to go around. We'll get to the bench next. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. They remain your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport in game imaginable. We're the, they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag and join by receiving the 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You can join using that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's talk about the bench. They've been struggling as well. Who has stood out to you as the biggest culprit of those struggles? I hate to point it out because Gary can't stand him, but it's it's Derek White. It, it, it has to be, and I know he's in and out of the starting lineup, but he, by all purposes, for our purposes, he's he's a he's a reserve. Uh, that's the role that they signed. That that's the role that they traded for him to, to fill. And you know, whenever he's starting, it's on a fill-in basis, and and he just hasn't been good. Uh, and my concern with Derek is its impact on his confidence. 
that that's the one thing about Derek White that you know I I've always been a little bit uh, uneasy about. He, he strikes me as a guy that uh, if he has one too many games of not making shots, he becomes a hesitant. He becomes tentative. He does he loses that edge, that aggressiveness that I know his teammates are constantly encouraging him to have. Uh, when he has the ball in his hands. And so he's the one guy that during this slump, I'm the most concerned about only because I know how good he can be when he is playing his best. And I know even when he's not playing his best, how he still can positively impact the game. And sometimes I worry about him having the confidence to be that guy when when times are tough. Uh, you know, with Tatum, if Tatum misses a few shots, you know what he's going to do next? He's going to keep shooting. And Derek, I you know, he has to be smart about that. He has to maintain that certain level of aggression because they're going to need him to be that way. If they're going to go as deep as they hope to in the playoffs, they're going to need as many guys making shots as possible because as Gary pointed out, and as we've seen this season, teams with size are a problem for them. They have yet to figure out how to manage that in a positive manner consistently. And if you can't manage that, that doesn't mean you can't win. It simply means you've got to win in a different way. And for them, that is having your perimeter guys showcasing the ability to make shots, uh, particularly open ones, which is what Derek White is going to get when he's on the floor with a Tatum and a Brown. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Derek White hasn't been good. I don't want to put it all on him, but, you know, Sam Hauser hasn't been good either. Like this month, December, I'm looking at the splits here. The Celtics shooting 31.8% from three as a team. Um, and Derek White is shooting 23.5% from three this month. I mean, you can't have that. Like, he's got to be better. Marcus Smart, 30.2. Um, even Peyton Pritchard, and his limited, 16.7%. Sam Hauser, the knockdown shooter, 25.7% from three. So they're not the two best three point shooters or Grant, Jason, and Jalen, and then Malcolm, obviously. You know, though they've, you know, Malcolm is at 40% this month, Grant's at 43, Jalen and Jason at 34 and 33, respectively. So they're okay. But the rest of the guys, ow, 20, 28.6%. They're not getting three-point shooting from their bench, especially except for Malcolm. They've got to get better. It just makes the game so much easier when Sam is stretching the floor and Derek is stretching the floor. And Derek is back. He's shooting 28.8% this month. So Derek's in a real slump. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, because it seemed like he was doing so well, but you know, he's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta step up and be better. Um, so does Sam Hauser. Sam has a role now. Okay. Gallinari ain't coming back uh, prior to the playoffs. So this is your role. He's gotta be better. He's shooting 32.5% from the field this month. Peyton, in his short time, not jumping Peyton because he's not playing that much, 31.6. Al, 32% from the field this month. Like, they are really struggling. You know, this is a team that, you know, should be their plus minus 0.3. Like, they're not playing good basketball in December. They're four and five now. And, you know, They've got to step up. And that means Sam. That means Derek. That means Grant. I can't put it all on Grant. Grant didn't have a great game on Sunday. He made a couple of mistakes. The inbounds passed. And he decided he's going to chuck a three. 
and try to tie the game and he airballed yeah, it. Yeah, that was confusing. That was not a, you know, he's, he's had better moments. Um, but I just think it's overall, like, your bench has got to play like, like a dependable, reliable bench. They won games with their depth in October and November. Now, you know, it's a collective slump. And they've got to step up and be better um, than, than they are. If not, this is going to continue. It doesn't get any easier. Like Indiana, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Houston will be tricky. And then the Clippers come back. Then you go back on the road mm-hmm. for most of January. So um, they got to get it together. So you set me up perfect, perfectly because they do continue their homestand. I wanted to get a sense of what team are you most concerned about the Celtics playing at this point? Like you mentioned, the Pacers, Timberwolves, Bucks, Rockets, and Clippers are their next few games at home. I'm most concerned about that Christmas Day game because that's the team that you are going to be measured against throughout the rest of the season and and, and into the playoffs. And the whole country is watching too. What's that? And the whole country is watching. Right. This is their sense of what the Celtics are. Right. But but it also, uh, along those lines, we've identified that the Celtics have had problems with size and Milwaukee is maybe the best team in terms of balancing or blending in size with athleticism. When you look at Giannis, who, even though he's a wing, he plays significantly bigger and far more athletic than damn near anybody on the planet. Uh, you know, you, you start going down the line with the Bobby Portises of the world and, 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 and looking at their front court, they got bangers. They got guys who can knock down shots. They got guys who can make some things happen from an athleticism standpoint. And that, if you're the Boston Celtics, that's the true litmus test for you at this point in the season to see if the success that you've had can you galvanize your pieces in a way that can knock off a team that is built to go deep into the playoffs, that doesn't have any clear kinks in their armor? They're not Chris Middleton and his return. That's certainly something that all of us are watching. And he's, he's been pretty decent since he's been back, but your wild card is Rob Williams and Rob Williams in theory, in theory addresses your biggest weakness, which is athleticism in the front court. But the bottom line with the Celtics is this. I mean, they are built as a team to compete at the highest level, and Milwaukee is right there with them. And that game on Christmas Day is going to sell a lot. It's going to be a good test of where they are right now because I don't think that anyone believes that either one of those teams has a significant advantage going to that game. They're very, very comparable. But if you're the Celtics and you look at how they played lately, this is a great opportunity to kind of get your mind right and get back on a, on a more successful track and try to finish out you know, the rest of this, this season strong going to the playoffs in the spring. Well, I know everybody thinks Christmas is right around the corner because it is. For it is. Of yeah. And except I didn't buy any gift yet either. Except for the Celtics. They got yeah. two tough games before Christmas. Indiana and their tricky selves. Because yes, my guy, Indiana, Ricky Carlisle, my Indiana, man. Indiana got a bunch of young guys playing hard. Aaron Neesmith returns, and he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder. I bet you know he going he could have one of them. You know he's gonna have a big game. Yeah, a game where he hits five threes and everything goes in. And then they got Minnesota. That's a tough game with with, with Aunt, Aunt Edwards and uh, Gobert and a bunch of those athletes. Although they don't have Cat Cat Towns, um, that's a dangerous game. So I think the South can't even think about the Bucks. If you start looking forward, looking ahead to Milwaukee and Christmas Day, 
many of us are looking forward to Christmas Day already because we got to finish our shopping and, you know, Kawani got to get something for her little brother. I don't know what, you know, did she, we'll see. They, she, they got expensive taste too. We, we find, <laughs> we'll find out, we'll find out later if she, what she got for her little brother. <laughs> I know he, I know, you know, I'm sure There's he- two of them. Oh yeah, oh, two, see. Right. He, I know, <laughs> I, you know, I know the Nike store, I know the Nike store about to get hit up. They want to get all the money. <laughs> yeah, some, just some new J's or something, but they better think about Wednesday and Friday before they get to even the deep, let me think about Milwaukee right now. Take care of business these two games in this losing streak, play good basketball and go into that game with momentum. Don't split those two games or whatever, take one of these teams lightly. I don't even think they can think about the Bucks at this point. Like, get yourselves together. Uh, Indiana's a, they, Indiana's won at Golden State. They beat the Lakers in L.A. Like, Indiana ain't no way, ain't afraid of, ain't afraid of uh, Boston. Rick Carlisle ain't got them, he got them, he got them boys playing. Miles Turner, that's a rim protector right there. Buddy Hill, he can shoot threes. Like, Indiana, I'm, I'm not making them out to be a championship contender, but they're definitely a playoff contender. And they're better than Orlando. So you best be ready for the Pacers. And then the next day, next two days, Minnesota, Minnesota got a bunch of guys too. Now they're inconsistent. You got two inconsistent teams, 500. They can play either way, but they can come in there and beat Boston. So the Celtics got to be ready for, for Wednesday and ready for Friday. Then on Saturday, they can look forward to the Bucks and prepare. Right now, Sharon, I I'm – more concerned about the two next two games because at first it looked, oh, the Pacers, are they going to smack them? Oh, the Timberwolves are a mess. But now two home losses to Orlando, the Celtics like, oh, well, uh, remember they lost their last home game to Miami, you know, I mean, uh, before this before this homestand. So they ain't won at home in a minute. Yeah. Not Back. looking great. Right. But – you know what is looking great, indeed, because they've always got our backs. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges. To succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. With their instant match tool, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things that we love about Indeed here on the A-List podcast is the fact that they make it so easy for small businesses. Indeed makes it easy. It takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job. Indeed does all the work for you when you pay to post a job. That instant match tool that I mentioned shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. You can start hiring right now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash A-list. Offer good for a limited time. You can claim your $75 credit right now on indeed.com slash A-list. Indeed.com slash A-list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so let's move on to, now that we've covered the entire Celtics roster, let's move over to the blame pie. Are we blaming load management? How do we feel about it? The fact that, well, we still don't really know why Jason Tatum was out, but what do you think is the biggest blaming factor for the Celtics overall right now? You got it, Gary. I just think complacency 
Um, I think they got comfortable. I think that Phoenix game might have been one of the worst things that happened to them because they just started feeling like they're a championship juggernaut. And then they go into Golden State and get smacked. And then, they, you know, the Clippers played one of their best games. And they got to understand, teams are going to play their best games against them. Like, this is – Golden State admittedly said, Steve Curry, this is one of our best games of the season. You look at Chicago. Chicago's a mess but they played two of their best games of the season against the Celtics. The same with the Clippers and the same with Orlando, right? The best games of the season. They pointed, oh, like, these are, they're using the Celtics, other teams are using the Celtics as a litmus test. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I, you know, in a pregame session with uh, Darvin Ham the other day, last week in LA, he was like, yeah, we're using this game as a litmus test. We want to see where we are. So Indiana's going to do that. And so is Minnesota. And pretty much so is Milwaukee. So they got to be up for these games. No slow easing into the game. They, you know, they got to punch first. And then when they get punched back, they got to punch back. Friday jumped out to a 14-4 lead. We're like, okay, they about to just, you know, this is going to be an easy one. Then the then the Magic just kind of just slowly, wrote, you know, took, you know, took their blow and punched back. And the Celtics suddenly were in a game. And it's just like, and, and, and fell behind by 19. It's like you can't have, you can't let Orlando outscore you by twenty plus points during a game like that. That's unacceptable. So they've got to get themselves together, come out with some fire, some diving for loose balls, get those 50-50 balls, you know, some hard fouls. You know, don't let some of these guys go to the hey, I'm gonna lay it up. You know, and like no, be play with some fierceness, some anger, play mad. That game against Phoenix. When they came out and just like shut down Booker, shut down Aiden, they left. They they had those guys helpless. That's what you, they punched first. They blitzed those guys, and Phoenix didn't know what hit them. I haven't seen that. Obviously, seen that since, and I know they're capable of it, but they got to be ready. Like they just can't do this. Like you know, let's ease into the game. We're gonna take. A, okay, let me get my three going. You know, like let me come down. No. Like, you know, take care of the ball, take the good shot, not the, the, the great shot, not the good shot, move the ball, like get it together. And to me, that's what they need to do. The blank who serves the blame, I think it's everybody. Missoula, Missoula ain't been perfect. He's got to come up with some different concepts. Some teams are, as I said before, they're packing the paint and then they're taking the chances that these guys are not going to get hit those three-point shots. If they do, and you can't be a team that only plays well when you hit the three, right. you got to win. You got to grind out these games. You got to win these some of these tough games when you're not playing well offensively. When you're shooting thirty nine percent, that's what good teams do. They only don't, you know. Everybody, everybody has fun. Everybody loves it when you hit, when you're shooting fifty percent for three. But when what about when you're shooting twenty six? Mm-hmm. What do you do then? So I just got to figure that out. See, I'm willing to give a bigger slice of the blame pie to Missoula simply because I thought for them to be where they are, he deserved a big slice of the blame pie for them being one of the best teams in the NBA for several weeks. And the the issue, Gary, that I have with him is that when you look at what each of the players is doing and you look at what they need to do to be better, to me, he's the one that has to make the most significant change going forward. He's got to get a pulse 
for when to slow the bleeding and when to let it run its course. Because listen, Tatum is going to have up and down games shooting the ball. He's that he's that good. And when he's not hitting, we we all know it. Same thing with Jalen Brown. That's what NBA players do. They're no different than the other 400 plus players in the game, except obviously their talent is, is a little bit better. But Missoula and not having a true pulse for how to, to handle adversity for them is a problem. When you look at the games they've lost, there have been stretches where you can see a clear need for a timeout to be called, and he chooses to let them play through it. And again, I understand the thinking behind that, which is why I don't, I'm not critical of it, but I am critical of the fact that at some point, You've got to evolve as a coach, just like Jason Tatum has had to evolve as a player, just like Jalen Brown has had to evolve as a, as a player. Things that you once did, you have to do them better, more consistently. Recognizing when your team needs you as the head coach to be a little bit more impactful, put your imprint on the game a little bit more than you have, you've got to figure out the timing of that. And I don't think Joe Mazzulla has done that just yet. And the good thing for the Celtics is that even with that being said, they're still right there with the Bucs, damn near at the top of the East. So it's not like his shortcoming is at, is crippling them as a team. But when you talk about winning a championship, it's little things that mean the difference. It's it's that one, it's that timeout that stops that that 8-0 run from becoming an 18-0 run. And then next thing you know, it becomes you score four or five in a row. And then the other team is calling a timeout, trying to play that game. He's got to get better at doing those type of things, recognizing when he needs to basically change the game up a little bit and, and, and frankly, just be a, be a bigger impactful part of the turnaround. So. And, and part of that, we were talking about load management quick, quickly. Do you like it, love it or loathe it overall? I love it. I love it because, because for me, it, it, it's, it, it's like, um, you can't focus so much on what it means now. You have to focus on what you think it will lead to down the road. Uh, I don't mind Jason Tatum missing a few games, you know, in the month of December, in January, if that gives me a greater chance of him being healthy and available to go in April, May, and June. Uh, same thing with Jalen Brown, same thing with Marcus Smart. I think they have enough depth on this team to where they can withstand that as long as they're being smart about when they make those decisions. Uh, and I think for the most part, they have been been good about that. Uh, Al Horford has been the one guy that has really been kind of almost like the, the poster poster child for load management with this team. Uh, I, I think they've done a pretty good job of handling his load management. Uh, but the one guy that I'm, I'm a little bit worried about uh, as far as how it's going to play out with, with him is, is Marcus Smart. Because uh, I don't really think he has necessarily been part of that plan. And he's the longest tenured Celtic. He's, I mean, 30 years old, 30 is coming around, is around the corner for him. He's going to be there very soon. And I, I'm not concerned about him uh, breaking down now. I'm concerned about him having a minor setback that doesn't allow him to be the best version when they need him to be the best version in April, May, and June. So that for me is, is my biggest concern with Mr. Smart. But one thing I am not the least bit concerned about is saving money with my good friends <laughs> at Rocket Money. Yes, Rocket Money. Uh, here's the thing about them. Rocket Money, for me personally, I am, have benefited from them because one of the things I tend to do is I'm a big fan of those 
seven day trials. Uh, sign it up for a subscription. Do what you need to do for seven days, and then you cancel. The only problem for me at times is I forget to cancel. And Rocket Money takes care of that. When you're talking about subscriptions that you have that you don't need or use anymore, they are more than capable of at, of allowing you to get rid of those in no time flat. Their app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for, which, full confession, guilty. They, they got me. They got me good. Uh, you may even find out you've been double charged for subscription. Haven't had that, but I've seen some $10.58 charges. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't even remember. What, and then you start looking them up and figure out, oh, that's right. That's like that editing software that I got that I don't use anymore. Rocket Money saves, puts that money back in your pocket. And to cancel a subscription, all you got to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of those useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Seriously, it can save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Cancels your unnecessary subscriptions right now at, again, rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Back to your regularly scheduled programming with Kwani A. Lunis. All right, let's quickly go around the league before we wrap up. <laughs> we'll start with the Grizzlies. They won eight out of the last 10 games. Best record in the West. Are they the best team in the NBA right now? If not, then who? Got it, Gary. Go ahead. Nah, I mean, the best team in the league is probably at this point, you got to say Milwaukee because of the Celtics struggles. But I think Celtics still up there. I, I, I don't trust Memphis um, like I probably, like, like I would a team that's been there before. Um, now, they've got to get Desmond Bain back. I know Jaron Jackson's been in and out of the lineup. Joss had a couple of injuries, but I think they're a talented club, but um, it, they, I mean, they obliterated Milwaukee last week. So, you know, much, much respect, but I don't think they're the best team in the league. I don't even know if they're the best team in the West. The West is going to be one of those things, one of those things where situations where the winner of the West might have like 52 wins. It's going to be a, a dogfight. Because all those teams are gonna are gonna beat each other up. That's a good, the one thing about the Celtics' chances of winning. Like if you get to the finals, you're gonna face a team that's been through hell. Phoenix and New Orleans got beef. Phoenix and Memphis got beef. Every all the teams got beef. Dallas is in there. Like the Clippers. Like all these teams are gonna beat each other up throughout the season, right? And and so they're going to get to the finish line and be tired. There's no 60-win team in the West. I think we can see that now. The winner of the West will have 52, 53 wins maybe. There's going to be a 48 in there, 49. They, like they're, Denver, they're going to all beat each other up. So if you're the Celtics, this is the year to get it, if you're the Celtics, if you can get out, out of the East. So I don't think Memphis is the best team in the NBA. I got to give it to the best team with the best record, Milwaukee. I'm not giving it to Phoenix. They lost five in a row. They look bad in doing it. Um, Denver, I don't tr Denver lost to the Lakers last week. Like, I don't, none of those teams you can really trust. The Clippers lost to Orlando in one of those games. You know, could you say the Clippers, you know, they got, they, they when they get themselves right, they could be good, you know. Um, but I would say the best team at this point right now, and it's not a strong uh, endorsement, but it's an endorsement. At this point, because of their records, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think it has to be Milwaukee. I, I'd even go a step further and say the top three teams in the NBA are all in the East. I think Boston, I think Milwaukee, I think Cleveland's right up there. When you look at the way Cleveland is built in terms of being a team that can, and, I, and again, I'm thinking playoff style of basketball. Cleveland has the ability to impact you with their size. They have enough ISO players. When you talk about Mitchell, you talk about Garland, who can get it done in an ISO situation down the stretch. They're built to be a major problem for somebody in the playoffs. Uh, so to me, Milwaukee has to be the best team. But for, for starters, I mean, I think when you look at Giannis, you know, he's almost hurt in many respects for being so damn consistently elite. Uh, he's never going to be a, a good jump shooter. He knows that. He, and he worked on that part of his game. But he's one of those players that, again, he's not a great jump shooter because that's just not who he's built to be. But he is an incredibly dominant player uh, at both ends of the floor. And, and that's the part about his game that never gets enough credit is what he does as a defender, uh, as a help side defender. I don't think he's an elite man-to-man defender. I think he's a, an exceptional help side defender. But, and, and again, that's one of the reasons why Milwaukee is, is I think, right now, they should be the odds on favor to come out of the, out of the East and win it all because – their best player is has been consistently playing like the best player, not on this team, but just an entire, he's right up there. When you talk about MVP candidates, he's been the one name that I think almost every top three, top four list you come up with every single week, he's there. Uh, sometimes he's number one, sometimes he's number four, but he's always in that mix. And that's, again, one of the big reasons why Milwaukee has the best record in the East and probably uh, at worst, We'll finish with the second or third best record in, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. I think you just answered my next question, but who is your current MVP in the league? My MVP in the league right now is Giannis. Right now, it's Giannis. And, it, it for, and again, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of rewarding guys who, who are able to carry their teams to, uh, to be the best out there to be to win game. I'm, I'm a big fan of rewarding winners and Giannis is as big a winner as you'll find in the NBA uh, and he's doing it the way that you ideally want your best players to do it give your team whatever they need if they need you to score do it if they need you to be an elite rebounder do it playmaker do it do whatever it takes to win for your team Giannis consistently does that and as I said earlier uh, he's in everyone's top four he's been in everyone's top four all season long and I'm not sure if there are many players who, who can say that and, and are able to win. I know a lot of people are going to say, Luca, 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 but I'm looking at the standings and Luca right now plays for the 10th best team in the NBA. I'm sorry, but my MVP ain't going to be number 10 on nobody damn list. Uh, ain't happening. And I love Luca. I love watching Luca play because he gives everyone the business. His nickname should be Waiter because he's serving up buckets, rebounds, assists, dimes, everything, every game. But his team is the 10th best team in a, in a Western Conference, which, as we've already pointed out, Gary mentioned earlier, it's a dogfight. And guess what? That little dog ain't winning no, no scraps. They are getting beat. They are getting smacked around like a rag doll on a consistent basis, even though Luka's putting up great numbers. Great player, absolutely belongs in the conversation for MVP. But right now, you got to give it to Giannis because he's putting up numbers and his team is winning against anyone and everyone that steps on the floor against him. Uh, yeah, that whole uh waiter thing that was that was one of your worst ones. That was one of your worst. Is he serving up? Is he serving up poop? Uh, what uh, you what you, you don't think he's serving up poo poo platter goods oh, on a nightly basis? <laughs> oh, let's move forward. Um, I think it's Tatum 
Only he's the best player on one of the best teams. And I think honestly, people are, I mean, as much as people are, um, you know, I think the whole Giannis for MVP, I think people are just, they're going to vote for someone else. I just think unless he literally just has a Milwaukee runs and wins 60 plus games, I think Tatum has carried this team. He's been better in all the categories. He's a better rebounder. I think overall he has shown he's the best player in the league most nights. Uh, that Golden State game didn't help him. But then if you look at Milwaukee's game at Memphis, Giannis played, Middleton played, and they lost by 41 uh, at Memphis. The Celtics ain't done that bad. You know, they didn't, they didn't look great. But, you know, they ain't had a full roster and got beat by 40. So – uh, I think Giannis has had, a, you know, we all, you're right, Sherrod, we take him for granted because he's so damn consistent. He does what he does. Uh, but I'm going to say Tatum for now. And, but that's, that's iffy. That 44 point game did a lot, but I, I need to see Tatum carry his team out this slump. You know, I need to see a mad Tatum on Wednesday. He missed the game on Sunday for personal reasons or whatever. Uh, I need to see him mad and be like, hey, I I missed the game that I should have been there. Like I, I if we if if I'm there, we win. So I cost us a dub. And I need to see that kind of motivation on Wednesday and Friday and in that showdown with the Bucks on Sun on Sunday, Christmas Day. All right, let's move to my neck of the woods, the tri-state area, New York, <laughs> the big apple. The Nets are currently fourth in the East. They won six straight games, nine of their last 10. The Knicks won seven straight, and they're currently sitting at six in the East. What do you think of those two teams right now? And are we surprised? My Knicks people are, are just blowing up the phone, acting like they're about to win a chip. I'm like, come on, y'all, stop. Listen, New, New York is playing really good basketball, and that's and, and again, that, that's one place that the league would just absolutely, I mean, the league is thirsty for the Knicks to be relevant again. And I, I got to give Tom Thibodeau a lot of credit because it was just a couple weeks ago where the Knicks looked dead on arrival. They couldn't score. They couldn't defend. They looked like they, I mean, they were every, they were the embodiment of bad basketball in the NBA and they've been able to turn it around. Defense has gotten better. RJ Barrett, I think is, is playing well. You know, Julius Randle is doing some things. And as far as the Nets are concerned, they should be up there. I mean, damn, you got two of the top 10 players, although one of those players probably in top 10 no more, Mr. Kyrie Irving, uh, but he's still a big time player and he's still one of the best at his, at the game. Uh, so I'm not surprised that they're, those both are playing better, but I will say that Brooklyn is playing at a level that they should have been playing at from the beginning. Uh, but again, with Kyrie Irving, I, I just don't trust him when it matters most. And right now it don't matter. What happens now don't matter. And so we good. Everything's good. But come playoff time and, and getting close to jockeying for position, I don't trust him in, in, in those nets. Well, I think Tom Thibodeau has turned some screws in New York. And, and you know, he put in the young guy, McBride. He benched, kind of put to Derrick Rose out of the rotation. That was hard for him because Rose is one of his favorite guys. And they're playing good D and they're winning scrappy games. And that's what the Knicks are supposed to do. Um, and, you know, the Knicks, you look at their talent and you're like, okay, Barrett's a pretty good player. Randall's a pretty good player. Uh, you know, and, and, and the young kid um, Brunson's a pretty good player. If they put it all together, 
they could be a quality team. And I think that's what they're playing like now. Um, so well, seven straight, they're playing, they're shutting teams down. They beat the breaks off Chicago on back-to-back games in a little two game series, you know, um, and if the Celtics better be careful because the East, some of these teams start to put it together. If you look at the winning streaks here, Cleveland's won four in a row. Brooklyn's won six in a row. Philly's won five in a row. The Knicks have won seven in a row. Yo, East seven team, of the top eight teams, Gary, have won, are right at least two game yeah, wins. The, Heat's, the Heat's won four in a row. Yeah. So all these teams that got off, got slow out of the gates and fell, look, you know, yeah, the Heat's six, six games behind the Celtics, but that's not much. Right, because um, Celtics better pick this thing up. You know they they they're on alert at this point because they're only they're a game and a half ahead of Cleveland. You know Cleveland was struggling for a while, and now Cleveland's gotten themselves together. And 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 so if you're the, if you're the Celtics, better get on and and the same and, and look behind you. And the Knicks and the Nets are coming. And both the, and it seems like the Nets have found that harmony they have sought for a couple of years. Kyrie ain't gotten no trouble lately. They're playing together. They're, 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 you know, they're using their bench. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're playing under a good coach, Jock Vaughn, you know, who's, who's seems to push the right buttons and the same in New York where Tibbs is not playing favorites. He's going to play who's going to be out there and defend and be productive. And now they're playing well. So the Celtics are on alert now. They, you know, they, they were, they were boat racing everybody except Milwaukee and now not so much. They're, they're only three games ahead of, of the Nets. And, you know, we saw how the, the Nets got off to a slow start. You know, they better – you don't want to lose those leads. You want to you want to keep that lead and keep that advantage. You don't want to be pulled back to the pack and you're fighting like they did last year for a second or third seed. You want to you wanna get ahead in boat race. So it's real important. Wednesday's game, the most important game of the season right now. The most important game is the next game. Okay, so Coach Washburn. You know? That's right. Live by the mantra. Well, I think that's all we got for this episode. Episode 107 of the A-List Podcast. Once again, some love to our sponsors, Indeed.com, BetOnline.ag, and Rocket Money. For Ashra Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast. And have a Merry Christmas if you celebrate. We'll be back next week. Absolutely. Way to gut it out, Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.